Hi, and welcome to The State of Shakespeare. I'm Jim Elliott. And I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And today on The State of Shakespeare, we have Keith Hamilton Cobb. Hello, Keith. Hello. Keith graduated from the New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. He's a classically trained actor. He appeared in a number of Shakespeare productions in the New York area before breaking into television. In 2015, he published a play called American Moor, which explores the experiences of black actors performing texts as written and directed by white writers and directors. Currently, he is working on the Untitled Othello Project. This project features an ensemble of artists engaging in an in-depth interrogation of Shakespeare's play Othello. He just recently finished a two-week table read and conversation of the play with students at Sacred Heart University in conjunction with students at the University of Maryland. Welcome, Keith. Hey, how are you? So tell us a little bit about this project. First of all, why is it called the Untitled Othello Project? Because titles, names, titles define everything that we live, defines everything that we are, from your, your, your personal name, your given name, and your surname, to what you are. You know, you're an actor, I'm an actor, but it's so limiting because you are complex and multidimensional and so many other things. And in the same way, titles define plays, characters in plays, particularly plays of antiquity. You know, we talk about the Moor of Venice. You know, what, is, what is a Moor? Nobody's been able to tell me. You know, in any contemporary production we might do, Venice could be any number of things, any number of places. Cyprus could be any number of places. What is an ensign? What is a lieutenant? You know, we want to take the titles off of everything and start start again. We need to, particularly with this play, because titles also allow those holding on to the play as cultural capital a certain power to say, this is what this play is about. This is how it's done. This is what these names mean. This is what they will always mean. This is how you will refer to them. And anything you're doing outside of that, that box is wrong. So... My mission is to, is to is to untitle all of it, un, untitle everything that we know about the play and find find out if there is a better one there, a better story to be told, uh, something that is worthy of putting on a stage because the recyclings of Shakespeare that I see, that I have seen most of my life, you know, I don't, I don't ever need to see another Hamlet, you know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to show me anything I haven't seen the last 20 times I saw it, you know, I don't, I don't need to see it anymore. I know, I know the play, I can read the play and you know, chances are we won't because the, 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 the American theater making process, which allows us three weeks or five weeks to rehearse a play, including all the table work, and then put it on its feet, does not allow us to ever go past the surface or what has been done before, ostensibly. Right? So we're pretty much doomed. We're, we're, we're <laughs> of seeing the same thing over and over and over again uh, in these plays. And it's not necessarily the right thing. It's not necessarily the most relevant thing. It's just what we can do, given that model. So do you have like an end goal? Do you have an end result that you're looking for, that you're striving for, like rewriting the whole play or coming up with a brand new play? Or is it just simply a deconstruction of this particular play, Othello? Certainly not coming up with a brand new play. I personally love Shakespeare. I love the language. I love the narrative of Shakespeare. I love the way that he he found to to express within the, the verse form that left all his contemporaries completely in the dust. You know, it's all been very fascinating to me. So I, I would not by and large undertake to rewrite any of it, to quote unquote translate any of it or, or undo the, the work that he's done. I just think that there is, if you take a play like this, which is racially charged, highly uh, racially, deeply racially fraught, 
is there a story, there are scholars who, who would suggest that we shouldn't do it, it should not be done, along with Tammy the Shrew and, and Merchant of Venice, that they are so highly toxic that there is no reason to put them on stage. And that may, that may very well be true, but I want the resources and, and, and support to find out for myself. I wanna be able to interrogate the play as deeply and for as long as I need to, to, to reach that conclusion on my own. Yeah. And I may find in that process with the right actors that there are things that come up that we have never considered before, that I have never seen before. Can we fit that into the text? It means that there's editing, there's taking away, but there's not adding, there's not rewriting. I'm not trying to translate Shakespeare. I would write another play if I, if I wanted to do that. But this is the play with the, the only you know, eponymous African-descended hero. And... He is a, he is he, he is a sort of a perfect lie. It's that you know n- nothing is authentic about the way Shakespeare drew this character. Can I get him from the beginning of the play to the end with dignity, not letting him off the hook, not not uh, uh, relieving him of accountability, but can I get from beginning to end and have an audience go away saying, now that all makes sense. Now they say it now. Right. They say there, there are audiences that you can show the three to five week Hamlet, the three to five week Romeo and Juliet, the three to five week Othello. And they leave thinking they saw Shakespeare irrespective of what you show them, no matter how rotten it is, you know, and how many holes Shakespeare with his early modern theatrical conventions expects us to leap over and just just not worry about. They'll go home and think, yeah, that's the, that's the story of Othello. And my question would always be, why do you come back to see this? when it's obviously untrue, unless there's something in it that you really want to believe, right? Maybe you want to believe that African descended men, wherever they come from, behave like this, right? That, 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 that it makes perfect sense that this, this career warrior who has survived by his, his wit and wisdom for 50 years would just self-destruct in three acts because somebody whispered some shit in his ear. I choose not to believe that. And I, I, I think there's a way to portray him where it's not so easy and not so obvious, where all the other characters are also intricately drawn and dimensional, and we can see their arcs supporting his. So they're all conspiring to create tragedy as we do in this contemporary culture, every day, all the time. That's all we're doing right now, by the way. You know, you look out your window, turn on your TV, that's all we're doing, right? Is creating tragedy sort of to the, to the, to, into the end times <laughs> as, as it were, right? Because we're human and our humanity has not changed in 400 years. Shakespeare was writing about the same characters that exist right now. The problem is he was writing archetypes. He was writing uh, with theatrical conventions that didn't, you know, Harold Bloom likes to, likes to talk about the invention of the human. The human was not invented by Shakespeare. Archetypes were, 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 were very cleverly drawn and now we have to fill them, right? We have to fill them with humanity. If we're going to do anything that a contemporary audience truly understands as authentic and doing that for all of the characters in the play and making them making them actually work in their various unique machinations to to make this tragedy happen is what will do that if 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 it works right it might not as i say we get to the end of a six month eight month ten month project there's no end date there's no point where we have said okay at this point we're gonna create a play i don't know if there's a a play to create we just want to work we just want to want, want to go and interrogate and, and and get in rooms and liaise with students, talk to them about about doing this sort of work, this sort of unique way, uh, new sort of innovative way of trying to trying to make American theater. See see what it gets us. We may come up with something that nobody has ever seen before. You know, the most brilliant thing ever. 
Or we may say, yeah, you know, you know, the scholars were right. There's no reason to do this play, so let's all go home. We did, we did, we did the exercise. Let's go. Well, it sounds like you're in the in the beginning of an investigative journey, which it seems to me that we're at a point in in our relationship with this play where it's past due. It needs to be reckoned with, and if it's ever going to be performed again, this needs to take place. But if I were to ask you today, you might have a certain answer to this question that would be different from the answer that you have when you're further along in this journey. But if someone were to offer the opportunity to play this role at a prominent theater, how would you be disposed to, to taking on the role or not taking on the role? What would you do? Would you accept it or no? If someone were to offer me, me the role, uh, it depends on who was offering. I don't think, Garrett, that American white men who are predominantly the rulers of, 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 of the country and, and, and sort of the, the, the overseers, the masters of, of, of whatever exists within that, you know, rabid capitalist frame that was inseminated and built and refined and continues to be prosecuted on the backs of owned Black people. All of that. I mean, that's a huge idea, but it's true. All that exists was, was, was predicated upon the ownership of black bodies. And, and all of capitalism was generated from that, all of American capitalism. And so anything that exists in that frame, including American theater, still has that as, as its root. And what you find is white men running theatrical organizations because they, they have been taught and told that they are, the, they, are, they are the inheritors of this. They are the next generation. They have the money to train. They have the money to go to school. They have the upper hand in applying to colleges. Still, it's still a very white dominated society. And what comes as part and parcel with that is sort of an obliviousness of whatever is not them. Whatever is not, you know, there's nothing that can be, can, there, there's so much going on that can't be seen through that lens. That's a way to say it. So. I don't know. You take the fact that we're making three to five week Shakespeare. You know, I keep coming back to that, right? That it's not long enough to interrogate a play like this, that you have this period of time, you have this amount of funds, whatever institution it is, you know, whatever the highest profile regional theater, you know, they're, they're all working within a budget, within the idea that time is money. We have our, our, our patron base, we bring them in, we show them Shakespeare, we make money, we plan the next season. Everybody in that structure, the janitor, the development people, the ticket takers, everybody, you know, they get a check that it's, it's, it's supporting families. None of them really care if the play's any good, right? As long as it keeps working. And to create that play or any of Shakespeare's plays within that window, you are by and large not going to make usually bold choices. You know, they can be bold in a frame, right? You can, you can, you can lard something with heavy concept and, you know, and do that quickly. And it's just big. It's quick, but it's big and, you know, makes an impact. But if it doesn't, if, if it doesn't advance the argument or, 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 or deepen the story in any way, that's sort of a failure. Beyond that, by and large, you're going to tell, you're going to tell the story again. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to rely on the tropes. There was a director a few years ago at a regional theater who said, we're doing, uh, R and J, and he said, "You don't want the audience to get ahead of you." I said, "Dude, the audience was ahead of you when they left high school. You know, they know. There's no. If you think you're going to beat the audience to the end of this play, it's ridiculous. So you better get something else on your mind. There better be something else you want to do here than race with the audience to the end of the play." And we all know, we all know the ending of 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 of, of all these plays. We all know. For me, there's nothing in that. There's no. I'm just I'm just taking part in a sham. 
right? I'm lending myself and my skills and my, my persona to ideas that have no depth or patentedly untrue. So, so why would I do that? And, you know, this question came up a lot while we were doing American More. We would do post-performance discussions and people would, would push back and say, you've, you've shown us this, this, these ideas of Othello, these concepts about Othello that you have. Let's talk some more about that. Let's talk about, you know, how would you act Othello? How would you direct Othello? And I said, this play that I just showed you isn't about Othello. It's about you. It's about, it's about indicting whiteness and its connection with the American theater and how they are one thing and how they can't be separated until we make some changes, until we up-level spiritually and, 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 and take some ownership of, of what we're doing and not doing in this work. And you don't want the focus on you. So now all of a sudden you're talking about my Othello when nobody's talked about my Othello for 30 years. You never wanted to hear about my Othello, right? Now you want to talk about that? That's not the conversation. But I knew that the, I knew the question would keep coming because it is a dodge. It is a way to shift the, the spotlight off of you know the actual the actual argument of the play. And I thought as 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 first COVID struck, you know, the first lockdown, if I'm ever going to be able to say yes to somebody who wants to work on this play, I better come up with a version of it that I think is nominally playable. And I began to look at, at the text. And as I said, as I was saying to Jim, begin to sort of cut away, take things out of people's mouths that didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, that didn't really need to be there, that were obscure, that other characters, you know, Iago says a lot of stuff that doesn't quite make sense. And nobody ever says, dude, what the fuck did you just say? You know, they never do that. They just listen and call him honest. You know, I said, this is really stupid. This doesn't, that apparently Shakespeare wants me to believe that Iago's honest just because other characters say he is, but nothing he does seems honest to me. He's blatantly dishonest, right? But I would make the argument that that's the joke, you know? I mean, everybody calls him honest, but the audience who he speaks directly to knows he's not. And so yeah, there's and, that. And, 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 and they like that, Jim. And they, so he can create, he, he, he has this, this interesting affinity with them where at least in latter-day productions, the, the producers lean into the humor. We can watch Iago be this duplicited, evil guy with, with, with all of the lines, sort of this interesting, you know, evil court jester that the audience loves to follow, while in the balance is this idiot black guy who really just has to lie down for it. And that's unacceptable, right? Well, that's I mean, and, and, I think... And the leaning in, the leaning... The, 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 I don't think Othello's an idiot. Yeah, I think okay. He, I, I think that's that's in the interpretation in the end, but I, I, in my estimation of Othello, he's not an idiot. He is deeply in love, and unfortunately, that costs him. Yeah, and I think that's a superhuman thing. And you know, there's this Machiavelli who takes advantage of that. That's a nice story. He's an idiot. You know, if anybody if anybody whispered in my ear after 50 years of life, I've, he's been fighting wars since he was nine years old. He knows his way around the world. He's had, you know, all the booty he could possibly want. He loves this woman, sure. You know, somewhere in Act Act Two, this person who he's known for all these all these years, fought battles with, shows up and, and starts talking about something he's never talked about before. You know, and you're looking at him thinking, where did this come from? Everything was fine, and all of a sudden you're talking about what what. And in Shakespeare, there's no there's no inkling of that. It's just like it's, it's headlong into oblivion. It's crash and burn from there. And to me, that's the mark of an idiot. And I don't know many men like myself who would do that. And I'm prone to jealousy. I am certainly prone to, to jealousy and fits of anger. You know, Jim, I just think there's not enough of a character there for us to give Shakespeare the benefit of the doubt. And the fact of the matter is Shakespeare is, is emblematic or is meant to be 
emblematic of European, particularly British excellence, and thus white excellence. And that's what has been handed down through generations into this country and stands still as the standard. It is cultural capital. And so when it comes to this play, people want to talk back, want to push back and say, well, you know, he's not, he's not really, an, he's, not, he's not an idiot, so let's just keep doing it this way. And that's spoken like somebody in control, you know, who has the wherewithal to say that. I'm telling you something else, right? And I would have some sense of who this character is. I would have a greater sense of it than you would. Would it be going too far to say that you hold the character of Othello as written in contempt and his creator in contempt for bringing this incomplete, well, there are a lot of pejoratives that you could throw at it, character to being? I don't hold, I don't hold Shakespeare in contempt. Shakespeare, Shakespeare was doing whatever he was doing long before I was born. I don't, I, you know, there's, there's this sort of versioning school, scholarly school of early modern critical race scholars who can point at these early modern texts and say, this is what was going on in, in racial terms, in, in, in terms of the racial discussion at that time. And I have no reason to refute them. And Shakespeare was influenced by whatever was going on culturally at the time. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. The play is mine now. There's no extant papers that say that, 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 say that the Arden, you know, is a one-to-one -one translation of whatever Shakespeare was writing. There's a lot of stuff in there that probably is, de is, is dead wrong and probably never came from his pen. We have no way of proving otherwise, right? So whatever he was doing, he was, he was doing. When you give it to me, yes, Othello is contemptible, but I don't have to like him. I have to care for him. I have to care for him because he is representative of me if we're doing contemporary productions. And again, it's about that. I'm not interested in museum pieces. I'm not interested in doing, trying to reproduce uh, styles of theater and forms of theater that are, are, are long dead for a contemporary audience. You know, I want them to understand everything that's being said. I want them to understand deeply the one-to-one -one connection between them and every character on the stage to see the humanity very clearly. And that takes work. That takes time and money right? That takes huge support to do that. If you're going to work for several European models where you, you rehearse, you know, Vanya for yeah, like a year, you know, so, I want to do that. So, well, you've been at it at the Sacred Heart University for two weeks with, I think it's in conjunction with people from, are they zooming in from Maryland, the University of Maryland? Is that accurate? There was a class called Race and the Cultural Politics of Blood. That's and a good that title. Was, yeah, that was taught by a professor named Kim Coles, and they came, they zoomed in for an hour twice a week. So, they um, so during the two weeks, did you make any, have you made any uh, interesting discoveries? Um, have there been some interesting discussions? There had been um, huge interesting discussions, you know, you get the discussion went everywhere. I mean, you, you know, think about it, man. You, yeah, can, yeah. You, can, you, can, you can read, right? You can start a reading, you can get three lines in and have a discussion about what those lines mean. And that may be a rabbit hole that, that's two hours deep. And we have the time to do that. This is all about the protraction of time and being able to put it all on the table, go where anybody is feeling whatever they're feeling in this group. You have this, this core ensemble of nine people. You have associate director, you have myself, you have a dramaturg. We, we were working with David Sterling Brown, who is a Shakespeare and race scholar currently teaching at SUNY Binghamton. And there is just the luxury to, to put stuff on the table that Nobody has the time for in our, in our, our, our contemporary model. Uh, we had students in the room, right? And the students were able to chime in, ask questions, give opinions. There were faculty who came and went and were able to, to take part in the discussion. So what evolves is a way of working that 
may or may not yield a much deeper, much uh, uh, more sharply, more clearly drawn piece of theater. We'll see. But the work is fascinating and fun and revelatory to me, you know, and challenging dealing with with issues of race within the play and what people feel about them and how you can talk about them. Just thinking about what I said before, you know, the country is not really ready to have the discussions around race that it needs to because it means owning its culpability. And that's very, very, very hard to do. So the, 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 the conversations are always rather surface, you know, they're always kind of, you know, skirting around the edges. And when you jump in with both feet, man, it gets deep quick. It gets deep quick, you know, and, 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 and it needs to, and it's important. It ain't, it's not, it's not easy. So you're, in, you're embarking on this open-ended exploration. And when I, te- I work with students on creating new theater from time to time, and, and one of the first discussions we have is about how, the, how we're going on this journey together. And the scary thing about it is we don't know what the end product is going to look like, and we're not even sure how to get there. And uh, Leonard Bernstein said that in order to create a masterpiece, you need two things, you need a plan and not enough time. So is there going to be a time when there's something on the horizon that starts a clock towards a production potentially i think and when the, would you when would you make that decision i think the trigger would be we've you know a, a, a mutual agreement among the ensemble that we have we landed on some things that makes us all tingle that makes us all like holy shit i've never i've never thought about that in quite that way i've never experienced this play in quite that way if we were able to put this on a stage and and utilize these things that we've just recently found it would be this amazing thing, so we should try. I'm not guaranteeing that we'll get to that place. You know, I think the chances are, are great that there's not, not enough there to find, not enough to do to the play in terms of how you, how you put it on, how you produce it, how you perform it, that would lend to that. So we also might just get to that point and say no, but we'll all know together. In the meantime, if we're going from venue to venue, if we're going from institution to institution, and they are sharing their spaces and their support with us and allowing us to work in their venues and interact with their students. We are expanding the minds of these young people who are the, the, the first generation of 21st century intellectuals. And they're in these training institutions. They're going to get kicked out the door and they're going to stand in line for a job. They don't, they're not lawyers. They're not, they're not joining a firm, right? They're not, they're not doctors or anything else. They're actors. Right? And they're going to go out there just like I did, maybe you did, and stand around, sing and dance for people and try to, and, and try to, there's no support for them. And they are part of a structure where they are at the bottom, they are the proletariat at the bottom of the, whole, of, of, of the capitalist structure that is the American theater industrial complex. And we're saying, well, here we are, we're working on something, we're working in new ways, we're working with you, you know, why are you here? You know, what's your purpose? What is your responsibility to making something better to making some change we got to do something else because this is going down the toilet all of it and theater is a part of it theater sucks man yeah i don't i don't you know we got you get you, 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 i don't i don't i don't i don't see anything that excites me you know it makes people money it's a machine but i'm not excited by it i'm not moved by it and the culture has been taught that it doesn't need to be moved by it they can watch tv nobody's yearning for theater anymore very limited people you know in the in, in, in the way that it nourished the greeks and and certainly various cultures in Europe, they don't do that here, but that shouldn't stop me. That should not enjoin me from, from wanting to do it better and from wanting to impress upon students that there are better ways to do it. English students too, there's a better way to look at this play, right? You're gonna get handed this play and by and large, if the lineage of people teaching this play who have come, uh, come down to you are standard, 
It has been one white person to another white person to another white person to another white person to you for generations. And they'll all tell you, I was taught very basic things about this. I had a guy write, I had a guy write me who was about my age, right? He had seen something, I think it was in, in uh, uh, Connecticut Post a magazine about the Untitled Othello Project here at, at, at Sacred Heart. And he says, I'm, a, I'm a, a classical pianist and I saw this and I just wondered why you feel like you need to, to change the classics. I was taught Shakespeare in high school. I was taught Othello in high school. And, 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 and we sort of, we, we parsed it out. I know what this play is about. Why does it need to be something else for you? And there's, 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 there's a case in point. He doesn't have, he doesn't have any sense that, 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 that I, as an artist, have agency, that I should be able to take this and do whatever I want. He feels affronted that somebody is pushing back on, on, on what was handed down to him, that he walked forward with and said, now, that I, got, now I have it. Now I'm a part of this legacy. I think what's, what's fascinating to me is that you're taking this play that is considered whatever by Shakespeare and has been handed down from white person to white person to white person that shows a black person in a, in a unflattering light. I'm just going to use simple terms. And you're taking it and you're going to look at it through the lens of a black man, correct? Well, I'm gonna, yes, but I have an ensemble that's, you know, there, there are four black men in, involved in this and everybody else is di of, of, of diverse ethnicity. So it is the lens of the ensemble, but I have something to do with it. Right. The lens of the ensemble that, that you created and that is, but that is looking at this play through this particular lens, right? And, I, and for me, when I'm teaching Shakespeare to my students, I like to say the thing that Shakespeare offers that not many plays these days do is that you can put a variety of lenses on it whatever lens you choose and i i think it's fantastic that more and more people and as garrett and i have interviewed more and more people of color about shakespeare they're starting to take their lens and look at shakespeare from that perspective and i think shakespeare lends itself to that and i think it's fantastic that that's happening but what always concerns me is that and i think you can understand this better than myself even because I'm a white male, is that that becomes the only lens. And I want, I want the lens of a Hispanic person to look at it. I want the lens of an Asian person to look at it. I, want, I, I still want white people to look at it because I think that what Shakespeare does is it allows for that. And I think it's fantastic. And the more that happens, the better as far as I'm concerned. I think sometimes it allows for it and sometimes it doesn't, Jim. It depends on what you do. You know, I have seen a whole lot of concept-heavy Shakespeare where they're putting, you know, the, the example I always use is <laughs> I can go see a production of The Diary of Anne Frank where some director had an idea and he cast a black guy as Otto Frank. And he's being, you know, he's being clever, right? He's, he's, this is a new lens, right? And I say, no, it's bullshit because you've taken me out of this story. It doesn't enhance the story. It doesn't change the story. It doesn't better the story. We know that this man was not a black man. You know, there was a director, there was a director, uh, a college director. It was a, it was a big deal a couple of years ago where a college director cast a white guy as Dr. King in, in, the, in the mountaintop. Did you remember this about three or four years ago? Right. It was a big mess because he, he, he thought he was, you, you know, speaking to some concept about, you know, the content of our character versus the so-and-so, you know, uh, you know, skin, and, right. you know, and we all sit there and say, dude, you know, we, you, you're not clever, you know? And so there's a lot of that. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of that. The ability to place anybody anywhere in Shakespeare doesn't, doesn't, 
doesn't always make it right, you know, and looking at things through lenses of various ethnicities. Also, if you're making bad theater, you're making bad theater. So that also requires time and depth. So I, I support that as well. But if you're not doing it well, if you're adhering to this old model that allows you three weeks to, to, get, it, to get it done, it's probably going to be as shitty as everything else. It's going to be as mediocre and flat as everything else. Well, two things about the three to five weeks. I totally, it's not enough and it's very short, short period of time. I guess one of the assumptions is that someone like you who's cast has a deep knowledge of the play to begin with. You're not just building it out of scratch. All of these people have knowledge, but also, you know, it's this idea of entertainment and mm -hmm. it's pure fluff. That's entertainment, right? And I think that's another point I like to make to people is that there's entertainment and then there's art. Sometimes those merge, but sometimes they don't. And I think that there's a, there's a really interesting offering if entertainment becomes the only thing people are consuming that becomes a problem um, well it is a problem i mean right. you talk what you're talking about is is product-based theater right if you're making theater as product if you're making it to sell season after season it's not going to be art it's going to be product right and it's going to show and you can do all kinds of things to to sort of punch that up you can again add layers and layers of concept more often than not with shakespeare i find the concepts obscuring what is in the play what is to be contemplated and articulated uh in in, in the play so you know i that's that's a separate discussion that anybody you know can 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 take this work and do stuff with it well it really anybody with money can take it and do stuff with it you know no nobody else can and that's why and that's why this project is important because it's asking you academic institutions to partner say give us give us the support to do this for two weeks with you. Let's figure out what this partnership is for your your institution and for your 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 student community and how that works. And Sacred Heart jumped in with 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 both feet. I mean, it's been huge here with the work that they've done around this. That's They're right. pretty close to it. So are you going anywhere after Sacred Heart? Is there going to be more of this? Well, there's certainly going to be more. We don't we don't we don't know where, but I mean the conversation continues to go on. I mean, I'm I continue to broker uh, American more around the country. That's a that's still going on and that play is getting sort of wide buy-in in academia you know being taught in shakespeare classes and english classes and uh, all sorts of other classes poli sci classes you know uh, diversity and inclusion i hope you don't mind if i add it to my syllabus i hope you do it's an important play and i don't say that about much that i've ever done so you know no, it's a very it's a, it's, it's, it's a very important piece of work and this Untitled Othello is really sort of the organic evolution of that project, as I explained to you. So they've become sort of conflated in conversations around the country. And where I talk about that, I'm also talking about this, looking for ways to platform one and the other. So the conversations are always going on. I think I'm, I'm, I'm really committed to this project. I think it's really important to see it through to whatever the conclusion. And so I continue to, to, to make the ask. And you know, we have buy-in from the Folger Library. They're very, very excited about this work and su supporting uh, what we do. So I don't know. I haven't, you know, I've learned not to expect, you know, have expectations about about things in this business anymore. I'm just showing up. We showed up here and we did two weeks of really relevant work that 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 rattled a bunch of cages, you know, and that's exciting. And so, you know, that's the, that's the work that we're going to continue to do. So Keith Hamilton Cobb, thanks so much for spending the time with us today discussing the Othello project. I uh, have learned an awful lot about the project and primarily that it's about a hell of a lot more than Shakespeare's play Othello, the way you describe it. It seems to me that you've created a space here for engaging 
with a piece of literature over an extended time frame, and it's a space that didn't exist before this project existed. It seems like you've created a space for people to contend with race, and that's always an uncomfortable thing to do, but to do it in a, in a truly engaging way. It's, it's about a lot more than workshopping a potential future production. And the end of the project, if there is an end to this project, is certainly unclear, but it may even result in a, a indictment or a, a rejection of this piece of Shakespeare's canon in Western literature, which is a fascinating intellectual pursuit. I'm delighted that you took the time to speak with us today and open our eyes about the Untitled Othello Project. Now, for folks that would like to engage deeper with this project, to learn more and to experience it for themselves, what can they do? So you can go to untitledothello.com, which is the easiest place. It's a you know, website that will give you a lot of data. You can also go to americanmore.com, which is a larger site about the the production evolution of American Moore, uh, out of which this springs. Between those two, there's a lot to be gained. There's links there that will take you other places. That's what we got right now, you know? the. So eventually, my understanding is that you're going to take that 60 hours of footage and release a certain amount of it to the general public. Is that correct? I think so. But, right. you know, I, I, at that point, we, got, we, we, we were for two weeks that we didn't get past Act 2, Scene 1. So, you know... While we would like to be on our feet and moving around and, 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 you know, talking about bodies in space and, you know, feeling the energies between actors, there's still a lot more table work to do. So I'm also looking for the next institution that wants to put us around the table for another two weeks, you know, because I think that that will happen at least once more, probably twice to get to the, to, to the end of this play. And that's the first time through, right? That's the first close reading. And, you know, when, when I take everything that everybody has given me and put that in text form, that's kind of the first pass, right? And you look at that and you close read that, you do it again. And it's really about figuring out where does every word out of every mouth come from, right? Where does it come from? Give me a backstory for every single thing every person says. Let's get that deep. So these people are undeniably human. They're not Shakespeare's archetypes. They're not clowns. They're not up there just doing a performance. They're not falling into the traps nor leaning on the tropes that Shakespeare and all of his descendants have given us. But they're real and they're, and they're riveting. How, how do we do that? It's just time. And it's just time and support. Care and feeding of actors. The educator in me loves that. The director in me says... I would love to see those characters up on stage and see see how that that exploration changes a two and a half hour performance of Othello. Yeah, it's it's it really piques your curiosity, right? Now that you hear about this, you're like, well, I wonder what that would look like. You know, I wonder if you know who 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 they would be. You know, so I'm curious too. You know, it's driving me. We'll see. Well, thank you so much, Keith, for joining us. This was a delight to have a conversation with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like we could actually talk for longer, but well, that's the thing. Right? That's exactly that's exactly the point. Yeah, right. We, Not we've just only been... about Othello, but about theater. How do we make yeah. it? How do we do it right? How do we do it better? Right? How do we grow up? How do we how do we spiritually up level? How do we get out of this this thing that's taking us down the toilet? How do we do it? Keith, you've been very generous with your time, and yeah. I, I sure appreciate it. We look Thank forward you. to following the Untitled Othello project in the future. Thank Thanks, you. Keith. Thank you so much, Keith. Right on. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And thank you for listening to The State of Shakespeare.
Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.